The Daily Tap is live for Thursday. It is 420. Happy to those who celebrate. Feel like 420 is a little bit overrated at this point because everybody can smoke weed. Like, it's not the nostalgia of 420 is kind of dead, right? It's like, oh, 420, we're all getting high, dude. Like, I feel like it's just not the same. But anyways, if you do celebrate, uh, more power to you. We got a great show today. We're going to talk about the Bucks win over the Miami Heat. Lessons that we learned from this game. We're also, we'll rip through Golden Kegs. We'll talk about if Eric Lauer is a guy. We'll do Golden Kegs for the Brewers sweep over the Seattle Mariners. We'll also kind of look ahead a little bit to what the Brewers have on deck. Because I really think there is a window open here right now for the Milwaukee Brewers. So we'll get into that. It's just as exciting, honestly, as what the Bucks are doing. We will then finish with possibly the greatest hypothetical that I've had in a while in a group chat about Aaron Rodgers attending a Milwaukee Bucks game. So we'll get into all that today. But before we do, uh, follow along on social media. Tapping the keg is where we are on Twitter. Come hang out. Come be somebody. Uh, we I'm always talking. Uh, if you... Respond to a tweet of mine, I will likely respond back. If I don't, if it's not like just a reply, I will at least like it. That's the type of person I am. I'm fostering a community. Uh, you guys are just as a big a part of this as I am. You, you're the reason I want to keep going, want to do this at fucking midnight on a on a school night. Um, that's just that's just what we do. Um, because I know I want to get this out to people. I know that that are there will be people hoping for to hear that reaction. And you could say, well, that's cocky, whatever. It's more just I want to do it for you guys. So you guys matter to me, um, and I appreciate you. And we we spend a lot of time on Twitter talking because uh, I'm always watching games, tweeting them out, and I'm on Instagram too, tapping the keg. Uh, sports, Tammy Hay Sports on TikTok as well. I tried to do something fun with the reviews today. Did not go uh, as well as I thought it would. I thought, you know, sometimes you have those though. Sometimes you have these awesome ideas and they just fucking flame out. And that's okay. Uh, we all, it's it's part of the content biz, man. Uh, so that, that'll happen. Uh, I've rambled for way too long, but just a reminder, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify. Uh, if you've already given a rating, uh, drop us in the group chat. Tell them, you know, hey, this is where you get your best Bucks, Bucks coverage, but also they're covering the Brewers. They're also covering a very fun Aaron Rodgers hypothetical. Uh, it's great to listen to. So hope you guys enjoy all of it today. Let's get into the Milwaukee Bucks big game two win over the Miami Heat. The Milwaukee Bucks responded well. Uh, they responded honestly thunderous. I know that the score will tell you that the Bucks won by 16 points, but that game was not 16 points. That game was 20 plus. That game was 30 plus. The Milwaukee Bucks absolutely pants the Miami Heat, and they did it without Giannis Antetokounmpo, which is a message within itself. It is the Milwaukee Bucks saying we are the best team in the NBA. It's not just the East, the NBA, and we want to serve that as a reminder that we can do this without our main guy. Drew Holiday had a quote after the game that he told Giannis, like, if you don't want to play, it's okay. We're, we got it. We're going to hold this down. And the Bucks did just that. Uh, they came out with a fury, and it reminded me a lot of 2021. And 
I think whenever you win a title, you always refer back to it, right? You always, you always remember it very fondly. We talk how many times breathlessly about the 2010 Packers. Whenever, you know, Packers might have a slow start and then all of a sudden they're coming out strong. It's like, oh, it's just like fucking 2010 Packers. It's like, yeah, we get it. Um, and 82 Brewers, great example of that uh, in the past. And, and, and people love to use them as a proxy. But they didn't even win a title. So, but why it reminded me of 2021 is just the Giannis was out for two of those games. I think that gets memory hold by a lot of people. I think people just forget that Giannis didn't play game five or game six against the Atlanta Hawks and remember that there was so much tension for that game five that a lot of us didn't know what to expect out of the Milwaukee Bucks without Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, You know, at that point, load management was a thing and, you know, Giannis had missed some games. But he was—he had an MVP year that year, and he played really fucking well. And he was really important to what the Bucks did. And they went to work down low with Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis. Brooke had a, ma- a major game in that one, and the Bucks win get a pivotal game five. Remember, it's a two-two series. The Bucks lost the game that Giannis got hurt in, uh, and the Hawks could have taken control and had home court to potentially get the NBA Finals had the Bucs fallen apart without Giannis Antetokounmpo. And it speaks about the cohesion of this team. It speaks about the together togetherness of this entire group because they didn't back down for one fucking minute tonight against Miami, just like they did against Atlanta in 2021. I'm very confident is part of the lessons learned, so I'm stepping on it a little bit. But I'm very confident that if they have to play without Giannis on Saturday night, they're still going to win that game. I think it might be a little tighter because in Miami, the you know the intensity will be ratcheted up uh, as the Bucks will be away from home. But regardless, the Milwaukee Bucks can do this without Giannis on the Kumbo, at least for this series. I don't know about the series after that, but they can do it, with it without him for this series. They are that talented. And we saw it on full display tonight. We saw it every facet of why people picked the Bucs to not only get to the finals, but win the NBA finals. Whether it was inside with Brooke Lopez, whether it was making it rain with Ingles and Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen, it seemed like everybody got a turn to shoot the three. And that that's great, right? It's so much fun. And, and I think that 24 to two run in the, in the second quarter was sort of the statement, was the big ass punch, the knockout punch. The Bucks saw the heat stumbling, and they landed a knockout punch in the first half. Do you realize how hard that is to do in the NBA? The NBA, three-point shooting, you're right back into it. Remember, he got on a quick run. They were down 19, and, and everyone's like, oh, this is a game. I saw uh, Brian Sampson, uh, Bucks Film Room, who I, I respect and I like, but he's like, the Heat are right back in this. And I'm like, I didn't say anything to him, but it's like, Brian, come on, man. Like, come on. Like, just chill. Like, just take, take a step back. Celebrate 420 a little bit early, take a bong hit, relax a little bit. Because 19 points early in the third quarter. Mitch was freaking out too. Mitch, I, I got a couple of bows to pick with Mitch. I mean, we could, we'll address it on the pod tomorrow, but Mitch was worried then in our one of our group chats. Mitch also worried about Duncan Robinson getting in rhythm at the end of the game. It's like, yeah, it's fucking no pressure. Like, I could get into rhythm at the end of a, you know, 20-plus game. So, like, just chill out. Like, just got to... Just got to relax. It's probably because I wasn't there with him. You know, I'm the one who calms him down. I provide the optimism. I provide the vibes. But he's just sitting at home like, you know, those those negative thoughts get in his head. It's going to be okay. But anyways, I, I deterred from the point.
the, the Milwaukee Bucks are just in a very solid position to do this, what they did in 2021, and the energy was there tonight. What happened with game one, it's anybody's guess, right? I think it's a myriad of things. Do I think that that game ends up the same if Giannis plays for a full game? No. I actually think the Bucks probably win that game. I think they come back, and when the Bucks were kind of like in that five-point range, and they just needed one or two more buckets, I think with Giannis, that's where your one or two buckets come in. And then I think the Bucks actually win, win game one, and I think we're up 2-0 heading heading to South Beach. But said we lost that game, and it's 1-1. And it'll be, it won't be easy. It won't be, won't be hard, but the Bucs have, have done it on the road before. I think that also gets lost in the shuffle from last year. They won in Boston in game five. It was a game five, 2-2 in Boston. They won twice in Boston, uh, and they were very confident there. And it, it didn't matter. They won in Chicago for two games. Uh, the Bucs are very comfortable playing away from home. They really have been since the, I think, game five against Phoenix. Like, that's the first real example where you saw the confidence of the Bucks on the road. Uh, take that back. Step back a, a little bit. It's, it's Brooklyn game seven. Like, game seven Brooklyn is the one. But that was such a war. That was such a fight that, like... I don't know if I can even count that one because like, that was that was the one where it's just like it was last bucket wins and yeah Kevin Durant's foot on the line we know the story uh, and but like yeah they developed a confidence to win on the road and they've had it for a long time and that's not going away Miami's not going to intimidate him I don't think any arena is going to intimidate him honestly Boston's I think the toughest place to play in all of basketball and they won two games there last year. And, like, that doesn't change, like, year over year, right? Like, you have, there are good fans and there are bad fans. It's Saturday night in South Beach. Do you think that there are going to be a, a fired-up crowd there? Ask yourself that question. Probably not. It's actually, if you think about the scheduling, it works out really nicely for the Milwaukee Bucks. 7.30 on a Saturday night in South Beach, and then likely 6, 6.30, so 7, 7 7.30 on a Monday night. Again, they're all recovering from live on Sunday. So I look at this and I think the the window, it, the doors are wide open. I wasn't worried that the doors wouldn't be wide open, but it feels good to have a playoff win under your belt and do it in such a thunderous way, in an impactful way that makes you think that the Bucks are here to stay. So exciting stuff for the Milwaukee Bucks and Looking forward to seeing what they have in store for game number three. Before we go to game number three, and I'm sure we'll do a lot of previewing and things like that with our boy Mitch tomorrow, uh, we want to talk about lessons learned from game number two. Uh, I feel like there are a lot of things that you can take away from this and, and just learn from this game because I feel like this is more indicative of what the Milwaukee Bucks will be in these playoffs. Now, will they blow out everybody by 20 to 30 points? I don't think so, all right? Like, that's probably not gonna happen. But do I think that this this type of thing can happen every series? Yeah, that a Bucks avalanche can come and get you. I've called it a Bucks stampede uh, because Worldwide Rob likes to use the avalanche uh, video for when the Warriors get really hot. So I was like, ah, the Bucks do this sometimes. And 
they need a need a term, and it's really the stampede because you think but there's never really stampedes with bucks. I don't know, whatever. Workshopping it. If you have a better idea, hit me up on Twitter, Tabby Nakai. Uh, anyways, lessons learned from this game, uh, and what we can kind of take away and glean, you know, going forward. The Bucks can make shots in the playoffs. So before this game, the Bucks had the worst three-game stretch of any team in the NBA playoffs. Any team. It's like never had happened. And the law of large law of large numbers, I always screw that up. My dad says it all the time. And so I've I've heard it for years. But the law of large numbers would tell you that the Bucks were gonna write the ship. And sure enough, they did. Uh, and they made a ton of big shots from all over the court, from three, from inside. Uh, I think the three-point shooting is a massive development. Um, it's not like the Bucks were bad at shooting threes this year. They actually really got going down the stretch. Uh, Ingles was over 50%, and, you know, marching on. Uh, Pat Connington finding a shot was incredible in this game. And Grayson Allen feeling good in the second half. Like Grayson Allen didn't really have a great first half, but the second half was really solid from Grayson. So can he sort of emulate that going forward? Um, and the Bucks hitting shots is, is makes them really difficult to beat. And I, it started inside the post. And that's the, that's the thing that I think they have to continue to do. That they started inside, they worked it outside. And when they did that, most of those shots were falling. And I, I don't have a percentage of that. I think if I was a analytics guy or I had, you know, was doing film breakdowns and stuff like that, which I don't do, I would really look at like the paint touches and how many times did the, the ball touch the paint and then get kicked out for a three and result in a made three-point basket or even an open look. And because open looks, you're under a general assumption that those are going to go in, even if they clanked. Um, so... Really, really good stuff from Milwaukee Bucks in terms of just making shots. The Heat might be who we thought they were. So going into this, we looked at this Heat team that was pretty beat up. That kind of looked like they didn't really want to be there after the Atlanta game. I, I know uh, my partner in crime gets mad when I say that. Uh, but still, it, it was true. And if you think about it, the Heat were a 15-1 run away from not being in these playoffs. Like if the Heat don't get hot at the very end of the game against Chicago, they are not here. That's that's the crazy thing about Miami. But they are here. And after game one, we're like, all right, well, we'd rather play Brooklyn. We'd rather play Atlanta. Like, why the fuck do we have to play this Miami team? And maybe, maybe this is why the Heat lost to the Hawks. Maybe this is why every time people would be like, all right, the Heat, maybe, yeah, oh, oh look out. Heat, heat of kind of warming up. We kind of found out why they they never actually got warm. Uh, They're just not a good basketball team. They're very small. Heat need a ton of size next season. The fact that Brook Lopez can do what he did in this game and really sort of control the paint. Bobby didn't necessarily have a great game. Like he had 13 points, but Bobby can do a lot of that. Um, When Giannis is back, I I fear for Miami because they, they have no answers. They have no answers. They're starting a extremely small lineup out there and they can't compete with what the Milwaukee Bucks have. Like they trotted out Duncan Robinson. Duncan, Duncan Robinson getting fucking 26 minutes is incredible, incredible. I know he had 14 points. It was all in the fourth quarter. Like Duncan Robinson to me is, is a non-factor. 
that he got nine year, five years, $90 million is one of the ultimate bag thefts of all time. Uh, and so I, I really, I really don't know what the Heat can do. The Heat all defensively are a mess. Like you look at this defense, you gave Vincent, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson. Those are all minus defenders. Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, great defenders, right? But Bam, Giannis figured out Bam. Uh, Giannis had issues with Bam a couple years ago. He did. He hasn't had issues with Bam this year. Giannis had a triple double against Bam. So I, I'm not. I'm not worried about Miami. I don't know if I was really worried after game one. We pointed out, we talked about the outlier games. I said, look, this is an extreme outlier. Now, is this on the other side of it an outlier for the Bucks? I think it's partially, right? Like, but at the same time, how many how many outlier games have went against the Bucks? They they could they could deserve one. And I don't think it's one where it's like, okay, it's all gonna go back to shit. I think in game three, which I think will be really good. I think it's gonna water's gonna find its level on both sides. I think the Heat will play play a little bit better than they did in Game Two, but not as good as Game One. The Bucks will play a little bit better, not as good as in Game Two, but better than Game One, and we'll see who comes out victorious. My money would be on that Milwaukee Bucks team because again, they're the best team in basketball. Uh, so yeah, I I think the Heat are looking more like that Cancun Heat than the Heat that we saw in Game Number One. The Bucs could steal another win without without Giannis if they wanted to. Now, I think that would come down to Antetokounmpo and his pain tolerance. I think that would come down to the Bucs planning. The Bucs had him as questionable, and then at the last second, they ruled him out. I saw Kevin Wilds uh, of, I think his first things first that Kevin Wilds does, say like, oh, the Bucs don't know what Giannis's injury is. That's why they can't can't give you an answer on his status and it's like no man it's it's a pain tolerance thing he doesn't know if you know his pain tolerance is is going to be able to sustain a full game and the bucks realize we're okay without you we can figure this out we've done this before they're 11 and 8 now 12 and 8 on the season without Antetokounmpo and if they need another game I do not hate that idea Especially the fact that every game after Saturday goes one night off. So it's it's going to not give Giannis a ton of recovery time. So if you're telling me that he gets an extra day and then he plays Monday night game four and then Wednesday night game five, that sounds better to me than Giannis you know, trying to gut it out for game three. I want him out there for game three, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying if it's, if it's worse than, than it's being made out to be, then I, I would rather have an extra day for Antetokounmpo because I think the Bucs can handle it without him. Other lessons learned, the Bucs are a very deep team that can kill you in a bunch of different ways. I, I think we kind of covered this already, but it just showed the inside out stuff is really important. And I think the Bucs just need to keep doing that, need to keep reminding themselves of that's why they went on a 24 to two run. Lastly, the Bucs played like absolute bullies tonight. So we mentioned the size thing. And the Bucks, probably my favorite play of this game, if I had to, if I had to dial it down to one thing, was the Bucks. It was forty-one to fifty-three. Uh, so you can go back and look at this if you want. Well, I don't know if this is on like the nine-minute highlight, but the Bucks get a rebound. Uh, Brooke Lopez puts somebody on his ass. Somebody, I think Bobby then puts someone else on his ass. Uh, the Bucks find Drew Holiday for three in the corner. He hits it, and the crowd loses their mind. 
and it's like in the midst of this run. And I just love the fact that the Bucks played like bullies tonight. Uh, a buddy of mine tweet, uh, texted me that they they had brought back their dog mentality of 2021, and I I think that's absolutely true. I think the fact the Bucks were like, we're bigger than you, and we're gonna punk your ass at every stage of this game, and that to me is something I wanted to see out of this Bucks team. I wanted to see a little piss and vinegar, and the Bucks showed a lot of it, and they told the Heat, uh, uh-uh, you're not bullying us around, like. If you think you were, if you thought after game one that you are the aggressors, absolutely fucking not. You are not that team. You are not that guy, right? Uh, And so I love the bully mentality of this Milwaukee Bucks team. And I I imagine they're going to show it on the road. I do think on the road, I will just slightly caveat on the road, it gets gets called against you a little bit more. There's, you know, because fans are going nuts. And it's like, well, why do the fans go nuts? And then... All of a sudden, the ref's like, ah, but I saw something with Lopez. And then you look at it, and sure enough, Brooke put somebody on his ass. But anyways, really good stuff from the Milwaukee Bucks. And I'm very excited to see what's on the precipice. Going to Golden Kegs, uh, if you're unfamiliar with this, uh, we talk about the best and worst Bucks from the game. We go 5-1, to one, uh, 5 being the best, 1 being the worst. Uh, we sometimes do 1, but we're going to do 2 this time around, just because there's so many guys to talk about. Five kegs, Pat content, man, the impact Pat content had tonight is next level. Uh, and playoff Pat is back. I called him playoff fucking Pat um, on a tweet. Tab in the keg, you can go follow. Uh, just because I, I love it, PFP, playoff fucking Pat. Like, let's, let's go. Uh, he was awesome tonight. A really, really solid performance from Conson, who's been in the shadows. He's been a guy that's been not in the rotation. He really struggled down the stretch. We all asked ourselves, can Pat Conanton, you know, play in the playoffs? And a lot of us said no. But I thought it was very interesting, Marcus Johnson and the, and the Bally broadcast. And I know a lot of you weren't able to watch this game because you didn't have a Bally account. A couple things here. I, let's save that. I will put that in the one keg. That was not going to be part of my one keg, but I will put it as part of the one keg, and then we'll talk about it later. So I'll put a pin in that one. Uh, back to Pat Conton. So Pat Conton and, and Mark Johnson makes the comment and says, like, Pat really was working his ass off. I'm paraphrasing because he didn't say ass. But he was like, he's working his ass off in, in practice. Like, it's the best I've seen Pat look. He's really spry. He's bouncy. He's moving around. He's having really good practices, and it's paying off on the court. Pat had 22 points. He had 14 rebounds. He had three assists. He was incredible in this game. He had six made threes. We have not seen this version of Pat Conton the entire year. If the Bucks are getting this version of Pat Conton, that is an entire game changer. That is something we did not plan for, and that's going to really help the success of this Bucks team. And you can make the case that Conton should be starting over Grayson Allen. We're not there yet. It's one game. Don't overreact. But Pat, Pat looks extremely springy. He looks like the, the guy of old. He battled injuries all year. And maybe the injuries caught up to him and wore him down. And just were like, you don't, you just kind of don't want to be out there. And you're just frustrated because you, you have something else nagging at you. I realize that I am not Pat Connaughton, okay? But I've had this hamstring thing that's been bothering me for like three weeks. And I've been, you know, going through it, whatever. I don't need to get into it. 
but I also was dealing with like the remnants of a cold slash allergies. So I had both. I was like, fuck this, dude. Why am I on the treadmill? Why am I, why do I do this? And then today my allergy kind of, my stuff is gone and I still getting dealing with the hamstring thing, but I was able to kind of ignore it because I was like, whatever. I feel good. I'm finally able to breathe. I'm finally able to, you know, move the way I want to. So all that to say, which is a little too long that I needed to give give Jim talk here, uh, that Pat Connaughton might just finally feel fucking good. And he's ready to roll. I mean, his quote after the game was, was awesome. Uh, I appreciate Gabe Stoltz uh, for putting it on Twitter. Uh, it's long, so I won't read the whole thing, but go follow Gabe. Uh, he's a great follow. He works for Brewhoop. Uh, he's Stoltzy3 on the Bird app. Here's what Pat Connaughton said, and I'll try to boil it down in a little bit. It's such a good quote, though, guys. He said, they asked him about, like, how to see, like, after not seeing the floor in a while. He's like, it feels great. I think you guys know me, and sometimes if I were to ask you guys what you thought my best quality as a basketball player would be, I get a plethora of different answers. He says plethora a lot, by the way. Uh, one answer that I don't think I get is just being a competitor. This, this is the time to remind people of that. It ain't always going to be the same. In today's NBA, they put you in a box. You're a shooter, you're a defender, you're a little bit of things. So for me to get back to showing people what I can do and the impact I can have on this game in different ways, and this is the time of year that I love. This is the time of year I grow to. This is the time of year that where you, if you look back since I've been in Milwaukee, I try to rise to the occasion. I use that fuel to the fire and make sure I have my teammates back and put my best foot forward out there because at the end of the day, that's the old question. Do you hate, do you love to win or do you hate to lose? I hate to lose. I'll do anything I can to make sure my teammates and I do not lose. It ain't always gonna work, but I'm always gonna put my best foot forward in a plethora of different ways to make sure to help our team win. I had to read a whole fucking quote because it's awesome. I'm like, let's fucking go. Like it's late at night and I'm ready to run through a brick wall. I hope if you're listening to this before you go to work, you're carrying that shit into work. Like that's it right there, guys. That's fucking it. When I talked about the shades of 2021, that's it. And maybe last year you just needed a reminder. You just needed to have it have it not be yours. But man, oh man, does do I love that uh, from Pat Content. Also, I thought Joe Ingles had an incredible game. So another five kegger from Joe Ingles. Uh, he had 17 points in this game. He had five main threes, uh, four rebounds, four assists. Uh, Ingles was great. Uh, really a good playmaker uh, off the bench. Uh, felt like every time the Bucks were kind of building momentum, Joe Ingles found a three. Uh, this this is why you sign Joe Ingles. And the opposition, whether you're Boston, whether you're Philadelphia, you kind of you kind of tremble a little bit at this. You tremble at a lot of this, but I think the Ingles content stuff is like, whoa, that's other level stuff. You're telling me that this wasn't a Chris Milton game. This was a Pat Connaughton, Brooke Lopez, Joe Ingles game. Uh, and I think Drew Holiday, did I say Drew Holiday? Drew Holiday deserves a mention too. Uh, for, and those guys, I'm kind of stepping on my goal case. Four kegs, Brooke Lopez. Uh, Brooke was awesome that first half. That first half belonged to Brooke Lopez. He had, I think he finished with 15 points in that first half. He was really rock solid. He finished the game with 24 point, 25 points and four rebounds. All of his work done inside, 12 of 17 uh, from the field. He only shot one three-pointer. 
Brooke can have that all day of the week. They, the Heat have absolutely no matchup for the big man down below. Uh, other four kegs goes to Drew Holiday. I thought Drew Holiday was really solid in this game. Uh, he played very well. He had a do- a do- another double-double, 24 points, 11 assists. He also had five rebounds. Uh, Holiday did shoot maybe a little too many threes, but I understand it. I'll forgive it. Uh, three kegs, Chris Middleton. Uh, not exactly the best mids night. I think when Giannis is out, we always expect Middleton to be be good. He was six. He made 16 points on 16 shots. Uh, did also have seven assists and six rebounds. I thought Middleton had some really nice passes. Uh, found Lopez a couple times. Found some other guys a couple times. So yeah, shout out to mids. Two kegs goes to Kyle Lowry's bitch ass. Uh, Kyle Lowry and Bobby Portis got into it. Just another friendly reminder that Kyle Lowry sucks. Um, just one of my least favorite players in basketball. Uh, I smile every time Ryan Russell likes to, likes to diss him on his podcast. Uh, yeah, fuck Kyle Lowry. Uh, I I think if we had to rank the guys you really don't like right now, I think it's Kevin Love number one. It's Lowry number two. Maybe Jimmy Butler number three. Jimmy Butler might be might be three. Adebayo is getting up there too. I mean, this is a douchebag team. Like Adebayo dunked over Brooke down 25 and he was yelling and screaming like, shut the fuck up, dude. You're down 25. Get, go somewhere. Anyways, uh, one keg, uh, Jay Crowder. I don't know what's going on with Jay. Jay had to leave the game for a little bit. came back. I don't know if it's just frustration, right? He's putting a little too much pressure on himself. Just relax, man. 15 minutes for Jay. He missed all four shots that he took. He did the add three rebounds, three fouls in that time too. Just got to just chill out. It's okay. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. I do believe there will be a Jay Crowder moment in the playoffs. I don't know when it'll come, but I do think that at some point Jay Crowder will figure it out. I do. I'm. I refuse to believe that Jay Jay Crowder is part of the Nikola Nikola Mirotic All Stars. I refuse. I refuse to believe it. I can't. Can't do that. Uh, we might need a better name. Maybe Marvin Williams All Stars. That's better. That rolls right off the tongue. Um, so yeah, one keg for Jay, Jay Crowder. Also one keg to Bally Sports. Uh, not a lot of people had it. Uh, NBA TV blacked out. I couldn't believe how many people didn't know this. This this, this is pretty common, I, I feel like. And to now have a Bally login at this point, I mean, it's kind of like, A, they have their streaming service, which I've heard is not great. But if you can find somebody with a cable company, probably your parents, like just take advantage of that or your in-laws or whatever it may be. Just be like, hey, can I have your Spectrum login? Can I have your AT&T U-verse login? And I think at and is AT&T U-verse still a thing? People still have AT&T U-verse? Uh, but anyways, uh, I, I, while I understand people's frustrations, I, st- I still feel like at this point you, you should have an account. It's been far too long. Like we're, we're at the point. I saw, well, it was from Aaron Nagler. We are treating like one of his Packer guys where he's like, I, ca- I can't believe it's not on YouTube TV tonight. It's like, bro. Fuck, like we've we've been doing done this for a long time. NBA TV games get blacked out. I mean, it just shows you sometimes a little casual in the playoffs, which is okay. I don't mind a casual fan of the playoffs. I really don't. I used to be very much against the casual fan, and then I've I've sort of changed my pathway on casual fandom, which we could talk. I, I don't gatekeep fandom anymore. I just don't. It's, I think it's stupid. All right, that does it. Uh, We will be back for game three on Sunday, but we will certainly talk a lot more Bucks as we we trudge on uh, this week.
Let's move on to the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers swept the Seattle Mariners, which is absolutely incredible. I, I think every time I want to think the Brewers are not necessarily the other shoes are gonna drop, but just like, okay, you know, lose a game here, it's fine. Like I would have I think I said it on yesterday's pod, but I would have been totally okay had the Brewers lost today. Because I'm like, last game of a long road trip, six and four, we'll take any day of the week. And they go seven and three on the West Coast. It's their best record on a 10 game road trip that they've had. Uh, they had a seven and three one in 2018. <laughs> they also had one in 1982. Those are two pretty good years for the Milwaukee Brewers. And they just keep impressing every time out. And Eric Lauer is part of that conversation. I know I was a little hard at Eric Lauer to start the year. His velocity was down. I was a little worried. He then struggled against the St. Louis Cardinals. I was like, okay, here we go. Then he had faced a very good Padres team. Now, granted, the Brewers got a lot of runs for Lauer very early. It made it easy to pitch. Um, and But today, it was not that. He didn't have Christian Yelich on the lineup. He, he had to work around a home run he gave up to Julio Rodriguez. But other than that, Eric Lauer was absolutely fantastic. Everything that you would want in a pitcher. And I'm starting to wonder, can Eric Lauer be a guy? Eric Lauer ha has had moments of brilliance well, with the Brewers, where he's had a good month, maybe two months, and then it kind of falls apart. And I just wonder, can Eric Lauer level up now and seize the opportunity sort of on the wall? Because if Eric Lauer can be this guy, I'm not saying you're going to do it every time, but the Brewers then can mitigate some of the Woodruff stuff and they might be okay. And that to me is a huge step forward for this, this baseball team. And Eric Lauer contributing to that is really important. I will say, you know, he's done it against decent teams against left-handers. Now, very early in the season when he faced the Cubs, but the Cubs have been eating up left-handed pitching uh, so far this year. They're, they're a top 10 team in OPS against left-handers. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals did not go well, but I think Lauer needs to work on you know how he pitches against the Cardinals because that has been an issue for him the last couple of years. So I, you can't just keep doing the same fucking thing. And I'm sure he doesn't, but it feels like it. Uh, and then the Padres, very good against lefties. The Mariners, middle of the road. So Lauer is doing it against solid competition. He's going to get the Tigers, who are not solid competition, but it, it, it's okay. Tigers, Tigers actually, though, haven't been bad. They're just not good against lefties. They're like 30th, I believe, in OPS against left-handers. So it's not that the Tigers haven't been a little bit better and, and swimming a little bit above water, but it's more the fact that they're just not good against lefties. So no shade to them. But I think that it has the opportunity to keep building Eric Lauer's confidence. And if Eric Lauer can be a third starter for the Brewers, that is a major development. And that is how you're basically able to withstand Brandon Woodruff being out for three months. And if you have a really good bullpen too. I mean, the bullpen again, to this, whole, this whole week, the bullpen was good. I mean, there were multiple guys from the bullpen that are going to get some mention in Golden Kegs. And they did a really good job. And Seattle was a team last year we had a lot of walk-off wins, had a lot of comebacks, and the Brewers had, were having none of it. And it speaks to just what they've built so far this year. And to finish with Lauer, it's just, it's really, it'd be really exciting to see this. And 
don't want to get too excited. You don't want to get over your skis. You've been hurt before by it. But maybe, just maybe, there's a breakthrough coming for Mr. Lauer. All right, let's move on to Golden Kegs for the Brewers-Mariners series. Uh, you know the deal. We just talked about the how we did it for basketball. We do it the same way for baseball. I am giving Eric Lauer the five keg. So I feel like even though he gave the home run to Julio Rodriguez, it was a really solid outing for Eric Lauer. I don't think I can fully punish Eric Lauer for that. Like Julio Rodriguez, one of the best players in baseball, you're going to give a home run to him here or there. Like that's just something that's going to happen, right? Uh, so I'm not ready to be like, oh yeah, just because that, that knocks him off a keg because he nearly went eight, eight innings in this game. He allowed four hits, obviously the two runs, one walk and four strikeouts. Lauer threw 61 strikes for the, out of those 93. Pretty damn good. Lauer got, what did he get? 13 called strikes and 18 or eight swinging strikes. So pretty, pretty solid stuff all around from Eric Lauer, who pitched about as well, according to game scores, where they kind of score your game on all facets as Marco Gonzalez. And if you look at Gonzalez's line, he did it all, He got charged with two runs too uh, from the seventh inning when the Brewers started to come back. But he had nine strikeouts in this game and only walked one. Same amount of hits. So just food for thought there. Um, but Lauer, yeah, was really, really good. And to me, he was the best performance of of this week for the Brewers because it was kind of everybody contributing I think this is what made this series win so much fun is the, it wasn't necessarily one or two guys dominating the games and having their moments it was just everybody pitching in and not having to rely on that big hit from Willie Adams who did have one on Tuesday or relying on a big hit from from Christian Yelich it was everybody hands in and someone had a moment each night I sound like Bill Schroeder. Bill Schroeder did that. That got into the Bill Schroeder repertoire last year. Somebody have a moment. Somebody have, or was that Brian Anderson that does that? It's Brian Anderson. I'm sorry. Apologize. It's Brian Anderson that says that. Brian Anderson loves to talk about moments. He'll do it in the NBA playoffs. Just watch. Uh, anyways, uh, four kegs goes to... What are we giving four kegs to? Bryce Trank. Uh, really good week for Bryce Trank. I, I think... It's now three weeks in to the freshman class. At some point, you'd expect a little bit of a regression. Hasn't necessarily been all rainbows and unicorns for Terang, but this is a good week for him, right? He hits a home run on, on Monday night. Uh, Brewers, the game had got down to 4-2. It was getting a little tight. You had lost Corbin Burns. You know, the vibes were, vibes were a little low. And then you have a big home run from Terang, uh, to give the Brewers a 5-2 advantage. It was a pinch hit home run at, as well. Uh, so really solid stuff from him. And then on Wednesday, he comes up, bases loaded, down 2-1 to one with a great hit the other way to give the Brewers a 3-2 lead. Trang just you know keeps producing in those clutch moments. And you just love to see it. And that that's the stuff that gets you going and it makes you you think this guy's here long term i i think it's too early to have a discussion about him as rookie of the year uh, we're not there yet uh give it you know a little more production and and great defense and yeah maybe we're maybe we're talking about that but he's he's playing really solid and that's something you'll just love to see and there's no no signs of him stopping Three kegs goes to Matt Bush. 
Matt Bush is a guy who got a one keg last week, uh, and he appears again because Matt Bush pitched in all three games. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that, honestly, but I got to say he did well on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, I'm not ready to buy in to Matt Bush. I'm not buying any Matt Bush stock. It's like that tumultuous stock that you see over in the corner or like that girl that you know has problems, but you're like, ah, maybe, maybe just whatever. Maybe I'm the one that can finally change her. For the record, this is, you know, early Chuck, not not married Chuck. This is single Chuck back in, you know, the pickle days. Um, but let's be honest, I would have probably fucked it up anyways because I was, I was the, we'll think of a bad pitcher. I was the Joe Winkle Sloss of talking to girls. Derek Turnbull, uh, after he fell apart, that was me around girls. Um, Dave Bush in the sixth inning, I said that a lot. That was a go-to for me in college. I'd be like, oh yeah, talk to a girl and then I just Dave Bush it. And really at that, I, I don't know. I was just, we, don't need to, we don't need to go down memory lane too hard here. But anyways, so Matt Bush, Monday night, fucking mess. Uh, gives up another home run. Then on Tuesday, he strikes out the side. Then on Wednesday, Big Balls Craig Council comes in, puts Matt Bush in with bases loaded and one out. And he gets out of it. Not unscathed. Brewers had a two-run lead. And Bush gets unscathed, gets the save. Unbelievable. Got to give him credit. Got to give him his props. I, I do hope this doesn't mean Craig Council is going to use more Matt Bush. Because we need less Bush. Like we need... 1990s Playboy, like just shave it, like no no 70s Playboy. We need we need less push, uh, and <laughs> oh man, you can tell it's late, right? Uh, when those when those jokes start coming out, you're like, oh, there you go. Um, but anyways, uh, so so to continue on, two gags. It was a late night baseball. This game wasn't even late. This game was not even a late one, and I'm still gonna file in a late night baseball because I'm up late. Uh, I've been up way too late uh, watching baseball, and I, I wouldn't even put hoops, but man, I'm glad it's over. Uh, and the fucked up thing is it's not, it's not over for too long because you have a weekend series against the Giants. But weekend late night baseball, entirely different. I love we, weekend baseball. I can do it. I used to love, and I, I think I talked about this last year on the pod, so I apologize for those OGs that listen to everything. But I used to love late night baseball. I was like, fuck yeah, get to stay up late, watch the games. But then when I actually have responsibilities like a podcast or a job, it was like, it wasn't as fun anymore. And as you get older, you need more sleep. You're like, God damn it. Like last night was a great example of that. Like there's no reason I should have podcasted yesterday. I should have just been like, all right, sorry, brewer game ran long. Not going to do a pod. Uh, we'll talk to you after Bucks eat. But I was like, ah, I got to give people something what they want. So I did. But, like, yeah, late night baseball is a killer. Um, and I think they have one more they have one more trip uh, where we'll, we'll deal with a little bit of it. But that's okay. Um, I think this is a long one. The dog days are over. Uh, we won't have as much late night baseball, you know, to look forward to. And weekend, totally different story. They play the Giants for a weekend series, and it'll be late night. That's great because then it, that's easy bar wash stuff. Like, throw that on. Or just throw it on, and you've you're already a few beers deep, and it just makes you know gives you an excuse to have a few more. So that's great. Uh, okay, Colin Ray, uh, the bottom fell out on Colin Ray. Uh, I I won't say that it's like I feel bad or not feel bad, 
but I don't want Colin Ray to pitch his next time around. I'll, I'll be willing to give him a home start, but it's that's, I think, more the Colin Ray we expected. Um, it, he just had a one good night, uh, but we'll just sort of have to see. I think as long as the Brewers can keep him in check, I'm, I'm okay with it. But if Colin Ray struggles again, then yeah, maybe you got to look at another option you know, for that last pitching rotation spot. Before we move on to our Aaron Rodgers hypothetical that I have, uh, I just want to call out. So the Brewers are at home for a little bit. First of all, if you haven't seen the Brewers this year, go out and see them. Uh, I know there's a lot going on. I know there are Bucks playoff games. I, I get all of that. But try your damnedest to go see this baseball team. They deserve it. They certainly do. And there are areas of opportunity to, to go to these games. But what the Brewers have in front of them, as a 14-5 team with a plus 35 run differential is to really take advantage. They're at home, which is great. And they have a lot of favorable matchups coming up. They have the Boston Red Sox over the weekend. Red Sox are 9-10. They have so far allowed 103 runs. The Brewers have scored 95. I think that could be a problem. Red Sox uh, pitching staff is not their strong suit. Then you have the Detroit Tigers. I mentioned them a little bit earlier. Tigers, 7-10. and 10. Uh, Tigers are allowing runs, but they're not scoring runs. Uh, they've scored 53 runs. Uh, so they've scored. They, that's a problem. Uh, and I think the Brewers can take advantage of that. Uh, and, again, another team that's under 500 at the moment and not necessarily playing that great baseball. They win a series against – they swept the Giants, and then they won a series against the, Indi- the Guardians. Excuse me. Uh, so I guess they're playing okay baseball right now, but it's just worth noting that it's not, you know, you're not playing the, 90, the 96 Yankees or anything like that. Uh, then you have the Los Angeles Angels, uh, who are 500. Uh, they're pitching actually pretty well, uh, but they're just not really producing offensively. Uh, that's probably the Brewers' toughest opponent, you know, then. And then you go out, out west again. Uh, in the mountains play the Rockies, who are currently 5-14. and 14. I didn't realize the Rockies were that bad. Uh, but, yeah, it's not been pretty so far for Colorado. Uh, and as expected, they weren't going to be good. And then you play the Giants, who are 6-11. and 11. So it's right there. It's really there for the Brewers to just keep adding, keep winning games. Are they going to lose a series here or there? Yeah, it's going to be dumb, and we're going to be mad about it. At some point, the Brewers are going to frustrate us. They haven't frustrated us yet. Even though they've lost five games, they somehow haven't frustrated us yet, which is pretty hard to do with baseball. And I realize I'm jinxing it. I realize I'm setting myself up for a Devin Williams blown save on, on Friday night. But yeah, it's uh, it's really fun stuff. It's been a really awesome season. And like I said, go support that, man. Like, I know, again, so it's the weekend. So, yeah, don't go Saturday because uh, the Bucks are playing. Monday's out, also playing the Tigers. Wednesday, day game, if you can make it, there, there you go. Um, and then hopefully there's not a game game six on Friday. And then Friday, too, this weekend, Zotani and Trout. And that's, that's also worth the price of admission. And I think you'll have huge crowds both for the Red Sox series and the Angels series. I think, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of Boston fans. Uh, here this weekend because they a live among us shout out my guy john or um it's an easy train ride from chicago where you know a lot of the boston people hang out in chicago right it's just irish people they gotta stick together um all right (laughs) 
Uh, let's move out of there, Rogers, and wrap up today's program. Uh, since I, I'm already clearly way too punchy uh, for the podcast. So I heard a great question in one of my group chats. A shout out to my guy, Dr. Booby, who asked this question. And I told him, I was like, this is, this is going out of the pot. We're, we're talking about this on the podcast. He said this. I'm waiting for Rodgers to show up to one of these games and get booed. So the idea of Aaron Rodgers coming to the games as a Milwaukee Bucks minority owner, potentially also dating Mallory Edens, has not been confirmed or denied. Uh, maybe that's where they have their hard launch. I don't know if you guys know that term. I didn't know this term until maybe three months ago. Uh, the Gen Zers, when you are out in public for the first time, instead of like Facebook official, uh, which I never did with my wife. My wife and I, there's nothing that says we're married on Facebook, by the way. It's wild. Uh, but you do your hard launch by you know showing the public like oh you're a couple and that maybe maybe it's this maybe they're at a bucks game holding hands and i'm like this is great uh my friend's burner account wanted one in credit i love bucks 69 uh you know they decided to be about that burner life i i can't i just can't be um and so back to the rogers part of this when would rogers show up would rogers be on the floor Let's say the show up part. I, my other buddy said, wouldn't it be hilarious if he was courtside for New York against the Knicks? And I was like, yep, that's exactly what's going to happen. It's He's not going to show his face in Milwaukee. There will be a 0.0 chance Aaron Rodgers will show his face in Milwaukee. If he shows his face in Milwaukee, it will be in a suite. He will not be on the floor. It will be in a suite. There is no way you're going to have Aaron Rodgers you know, on the on the the, the the floor because there will be booze. They will also make sure that it's guys like David Bakhtiari chugging or Aaron Jones or, you know, someone else is featured. It will not be Aaron Rodgers. I realize Aaron Rodgers is a man and can do it, but you have to remember Aaron Rodgers is a very sensitive guy. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers will be treated very well. And I'm not, is that fair to Aaron? No, but Aaron's a public figure who a lot of people have decided not to like, and they're going to let Aaron know. Um, I don't think it would be the experience that Aaron Rodgers would think it would be. Um, so even if he did go on the court, I think he'd be in a suite before the first quarter. Um, and then they'd say Aaron Rodgers at the game, and I don't even know if they would acknowledge him because I think there would be booze. I think it would be bad. I, I would not I would not recommend Aaron Rodgers to go to Milwaukee. So that's why I do think if it's Nick's Bucks the second round, it's going to be Rodgers at Madison Square Garden. And there will be a large ovation because there are a lot of Jets fans. And that will sort of be the next sort of iteration of this all, of this weird cat and mouse game. Because there is no way it's going to be accurate. It's going to be in Milwaukee. It just will not happen. I will bet you I don't know how much. I will Any, any number that you want, I will bet that. That's, that's what's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm not, not gonna, not going to think that he's going to be in Milwaukee. There's no way, uh, it, it would, it would personally stun me that if he was that sort of self-absorbed, they didn't think that would go well. Uh, I do think you'll have celebrities. I think they're waiting, you know, for the weekend games, they're waiting for the bigger games, you know, the games against the Knicks or the Cavs or, the game, the Eastern Conference Finals are obviously the finals. But yeah, you're going to, 
gonna have a, you're gonna have some the local celebs show up one by one. David Gruber always a constant. They're already ready to go. No man loves basketball quite like the Grubes. Uh, but yeah, I will not expect Aaron Rodgers at the Pfizer Forum. There's no way. I I just I I know I've said that a couple times, but seriously, it, it would be so stunning if it happened. Um, but yeah, and. I think the Packers, or the Bucks, do not have a great record when Aaron Rodgers is in the house. Mitch has mentioned that before. Also, too, just as an aside, since we're talking about Rodgers, some smoke, some smoke potentially developing with San Francisco. Um, I think it deserves an actual topic, like a, a full ass, like ten to fifteen minutes. We don't really have time. I'll be honest. Before the draft, uh, we are really tight on in terms of segments in terms of a lot of stuff we have going on Murph and I are finally getting in a lab so you have that next week by the way uh, but I will just say this I have a really hard time wrapping my heads around San Francisco the only reason they would do San Francisco is because they think Rogers a is either fucked it's like it's done and they think he's completely washed or b the toxicity of Aaron Rodgers and Kyle Shanahan would be so off the charts that they, that maybe Rodgers would go home in week eight and just go to Malibu. I think Kyle Shanahan and Aaron Rodgers would be an absolute shit show. I do not think those guys will get along at all. That is two, those are two guys who want to be the big dick at the Cracker Factory. And there is no way Aaron Rodgers is going to let Kyle Shanahan be that guy. And there's a reason why Kyle Shanahan flourished with Jimmy G, with Kirk Cousins in the past as offensive coordinator, with Brock Purdy, with C.J. Beathard. They're all guys who listen and take direction. Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that. So, but man, if the Jets fuck this up, it's an, it's all time. It's unbelievably all time. And I just, oh man, we'll see. It's, business is going to pick up here. I think we're gonna have we might have something for a draft we'll just have to see uh but yeah we'll i'm sure talk a lot more about it and i'm sure more rumors are going to fly all right that does it for today's show hope you guys enjoyed it uh we'll be back tomorrow with mitch we'll recap kind of both games um kind of reset the deck get ready for game three uh we'll talk a little brewers we'll talk a little packers uh draft so we'll have it all for you uh tomorrow so excited for that and then, like I said, uh, game three reaction on Sunday. Uh, Saturday night, if we're lucky, we'll see. Um, I'm not going to cut my chickens on that one. And then a uh, draft pod on Monday. Uh, so, yeah, it's, like I said, we are loaded. Uh, so enjoy that. Get ready for that. And we will see you tomorrow. All right, take care. Bye.